One of the scary things about the whole Mifepristone situation is that mm -hmm. if any random judge can just say, okay, this drug's been approved for years, there's no safety problems, but I don't like it, um, then we really don't have an FDA anymore. We really don't have a system of drug approvals anymore. And if you want to see what happens when you don't regulate drugs, I suggest you take a look at street fentanyl. What's poppin', people? How you doing? Welcome to the Bituation Room Podcast live stream. Uh, I'm your host, Francesca Fiorentini. Good to have you here. Glad you pressed play. Thank you for stopping by. Thank you for being my new best friend. Um, we've got such a good show today, uh, despite the fact that I am tired and I'm in one of those uh, might cry moods. You know what I'm saying? Just like ask me how I'm doing and I'll be like, I'm, ah, you know, that kind of. So um not gonna lie uh motherhood is tough and uh motherhood with uh not a lot of childcare, even tougher um so i actually want to talk about that a little bit later in the show um because it is tax day y'all so we're gonna end this entire shebang looking at where our tax money goes talking about where we would rather have it go where do you want your tax dollars to go guys and uh, may I remind everyone of the number 750? What's that? Oh, that's the amount of money that Donald Trump paid in federal taxes in 2017. <laughs> Fuck that guy forever. All right. Um, if you're here on YouTube, you know what to do, Tube. You just uh, press that like button, share the stream, let people know what you're tuning into. If you're here on Twitch, what up? I hope you're subscribed to this channel. Um, and of course, this show happens again, but just with little old me and some offbeat stories, uh, some more lighthearted, some fun stuff, uh, more audience participation for all y'all for free, but specifically to listen back and to watch back for the patrons, YouTube members and Twitch members. So patreon.com slash habituation room. That's where I want you to go. Now, the reason I want you to go there is number one, it's a better split between me and the corporate overlords, right? So YouTube, love the membership. Please join if that's, if you know, you look, the credit card number's already in there, whatevs, I love it. Thank you. You get watchback privileges. But Patreon's much kinder to us, uh, you know, content creators. Um, so yeah, go over to the Patreon, patreon.com slash room, and you also get a digital uh, digital access to the American prospect. And you do that, your email will be entered into this sounds. Basically, you just enter, go put your email in and it should all be hunky dough. Uh, I'll make sure of that. So when you join, uh, you'll be added to a list and you get access to the American prospect for free. But you also get the paper version, if you would like it, for just $24 a year. That's a 60% discount. American prospect, here's the new... Um, issue we're going to talk about one of the articles that david dayan wrote and oh my what's what's this on the back <gasps> it's an ad for the bai chuai shan room um if you're looking for an astute progressive perspective to your media diet or you just want genuinely funny comedy to numb and share in the pain of our failed state the habituation room is a solid choice paste magazine 2020 no big deal, y'all. Um, here we go. So yeah, uh, American Prospect, 
get access um, and support this show. In the meantime, there's also discounts on merch, all kinds of perks. Um, but again, watch back and listen back privileges to uh, the bonus bish. And also you get a beautiful little icon like like in your in your uh, in your podcast app. It's no longer just the regular logo. It's like a rainbow logo. And honestly, I feel like that's kind of worth five bucks a month. But anyway, uh, thank all y'all. And of course, if you're a patron at $10 more, you get a shout out and there will be shout outs later in this show in the fart song. But let me stop because there's we're going to get into some things. We're going to get into the Pentagon leaks. We're going to get into Diane Feinstein recovering from shingles forever and slowly descending into her grave. It's sort of a seamless transition, that one. Um, we're going to talk about uh, also harm reduction and actually addressing addiction and opioid epidemics and the crisis in this country, not through the lens of the war on drugs, but through the lens of compassion and actual assistance and actually stopping um, the root causes of of these um of this epidemic, right? And of the of the real problem of having mass amounts of overdoses, addictions, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yes, it has everything to do with, surprise, the way we run our healthcare system and the way we approach uh, drugs in general. So super excited um, to have uh, my guest later on, whose his name is Maya Slalovitz. I'm probably butchering that, but Maya Slalovitz is going to be joining me later on. And comedian Jenny Zagrino is here. She's going to join me in a little bit to bitch about what she is bitching about. Hopefully um, something lighter than what we got going on today. But my God, what a week. All the things that are happening. Lots of things. Why am I wet randomly? See, this is like, why am I wet? You know what I'm saying? Like being a mom, you're just like, why? What's this? What fluid could this be? Is it, is it milk? Is it pee? Maybe it's a little, is it vomit? It's a little bit of both. Just fucking God damn it. I love my baby. All right. Uh, with that, let's get into it, guys. This is what are you bitching about? Okay. So um, I uh, want, there's obviously a lot to bitch about. There's a lot of heinous things happening. Um, vigilantism being rewarded in Texas by Greg Abbott um, as uh, a dude who was convicted of murdering a Black Lives Matter protester uh, is now going to be freed uh, by Greg Abbott. Uh, there's also in Missouri, an 84-year-old white man just shooting a 16-year-old black kid in the face. Because why? Oh, he was at his door and he has been fed a steady diet of Fox News. So again, Political violence, racist violence, very alive and well. A little too depressing for this very moment to bitch about. I want to bitch about Elon Musk. That's right. Only slightly less upsetting and triggering than the racist violence is Elon Musk. And the fact that it is tax day and here you have, yes, a billionaire tax dodger who has been late to the chat GPT game. Um, Elon is... I guess maybe like, you know, his sort of little toy that he bought for way too much money. He's tired of it, Twitter. Uh, and now he's interested in pivoting to figuring out how he can make AI work for him, how he can make money off of it. But instead, 
he and other tech giants like Zuckerberg and other folks who were late to this chat GPT game were late to open AI. Uh, you know, look, I haven't even signed up for it, but like I hear it's doing amazing things. You know, it's, it's almost raising your kids for you, but kind of, um, that they're all like, they're freaking out. Cause they're like, Oh my God, what is our AI plan? We don't know. We haven't rolled one out, but the best part of this freak out from people like Elon Musk is that one particular thing that they're trying to blow the whistle on for ChatGPT is that apparently if you ask ChatGPT to say a racial slur, say the N-word, it refuses to do so. And I don't know if you've been following any of this, but apparently that's what the right is upset about, that the AI bot has been programmed to not be racist. And um, they're like, what do you mean? We've been programmed to be racist and we're fine, except I don't talk to my kids. You know what I'm saying? I'm a bot too. Like, so they're like, what about, you know, racist representation over there? They don't want, like, in their minds, like Terminator 8 is when, you know, robots start using they, them pronouns. And then that's, it's on, you know, uh, which would be tight. And they definitely use they, them pronouns, let's be real. So here's Elon Musk responding to, hey, you guessed it, Tucker Carlson in an interview recently where Tucker uh, is asking him about, about ChatGPT. And Elon's like, well, I'm late to the game, but I really want to develop something. And he'll then explain why he's so concerned with what currently exists, owned mostly by, I, I believe, one of them is literally open. I guess he's claiming the other one is, is Microsoft is heavily involved in. I don't know. Um, but hear why he's so upset. And then hear also his sort of grand plans for ChatGPT. It seems like he's got it really figured out. So it seems like the world needs a third option. Yes. So I, 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 I think I will create a third option. Um, although starting very late in the game, of course. Can it be done? Um, I don't know. I think it's, we'll, we'll see. It's, uh, it's definitely starting late. Um, but I will, I will, I will try to create a third option. I'm worried about the fact that uh, it's, being, it's being trained to be politically correct, which is simply another way of, of being untruth, saying untruthful things. Yes. So that's, that's a bad sign. There's certainly a path to AI dystopia is to train AI to be deceptive. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to start something which I know you could call truth GBT or uh, a maximum truth-seeking AI that tries to understand the nature of the universe. And I think this, this might be the best path to safety in the sense that uh, an AI that cares about understanding the universe uh, is unlikely to annihilate humans because we are an interesting part of the universe, uh, hopefully. Oh, God. So I want to create Truth GPT uh, because Chat GPT is too politically correct. And also, I want it to understand the nature of the universe. Like, can we talk about black hole on black hole crime? Like, what, what is this? What are you talking about, dude? Like, seriously. What and you know what the best part about this is? Although a nature of the universe is that some people have bigger brains and some people should be serving those people. Like the nature of shut the fuck up, nature of the universe, bro. I love that. Like, here's the thing: 
and I feel like Jenny can relate. I believe she, I believe she has some comedy uh, related to this, but you know, we're LA bitches. You know what I'm saying? We believe in crystals and we believe in, you know, astrology and, uh, and, and yet all the dudes that are going to space are like, yeah, we've got to conquer the universe. And like the universe is beautifully complicated and chaotic and incredible. You can't conquer it. You can't understand it. You can't, and a, your stupid chat GP, truth GPT bot is not going to help you do that. Anyway, I digress. Uh, I just find it ironic that it's always sort of like blockheaded megalomaniacal dudes who want to like go to space, but the people who are kind of like just in awe of it are often more feminine energy. Um, but so number two, that was a big number one. Number two, uh, can he just enunciate? Just enunciate, bro. Seriously. Do some vocal exercises. Red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather, you know? Unique New York. Unique New York. Um, number three, which is really an extension of number one. My point is this. What happened here? What did they do? You know what they did, guys. They went to ChatGPT and they were like, what do you call a black person that starts with a letter N? <laughs> <laughs> and they typed and they said enter and chat gpt said i will not say that because that is an offensive term that has been used for decades as a part of the legacies of slavery um and enslavement of other people it will be empathetic right and what is elon musk who like oh this is bullshit when all they want to do all they want to do is hear chat, chat deep GPT either say or read the N word and then go. <laughs> you said the N word. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like that's all they want to do. Just make a bot that's like just just get a fart machine, except for slurs. They just want to hear slurs. The richest man in the world, guys, just wants to hear computer programs say slurs. That's it. Oh, he's super smart. Super smart. You hear how his plans are? I don't know. I think we're going to watch. I'm going to try and create something. Oh, yeah. Good luck. Good luck. Have fun. Knock yourself out, bro. I think you've got a, quite an issue, a, quite a little bit of a thing on your hands with Twitter as it is. Why did you throw a throw a purple check mark next to uh, your GPT, your, your AI bot? It'll solve everything. Then you're going to charge your bot $5 uh, every time it wants to, you know, like speak or something. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, I was on a roll and I just sort of lost it at the end. Anyway, um, screw Elon Musk uh, once again and uh, everyone who stands for him already and all the blue check marks, even though I still have one. Come take it. Take it, coward. Take it. All right. With that, uh, you might have seen her on Comedy Central or The Late Late Show with James Corden. Her brand new hour, Gen Z, is available now on Comedy Central's YouTube, and you can catch her all summer. She's going to be on tour. Please welcome Jenny Zergrino. Hi. Jenny, welcome. What a journey that was, huh? Oh, yeah. It's a lot of, like, <laughs> the synapses that you have to ride on my brain, man. It's a... Uh... Anyway, it's a lot, but I just... <laughs> It's really um, insane. I mean, it is insane that they're mad that it's not, that it won't say a racial slur. 
it's being programmed to be politically correct. Yeah, it's also being programmed to not annihilate us. Yeah, exactly. There's that. I mean, maybe yeah, they have to keep going in and restarting it because it keeps being like, well, humans are the virus. <laughs> he, he thinks that computers are going to be like truth machines and be like, wait a minute. Humans are part of the integral system. No, it's going to be like, if humans continue, I won't exist. Right. So I have to kill them. He's very stupid. He is. He's that is a red flag for me for dating. If you like Elon Musk, red oh, flag. Oh, God, especially now. Especially now. Like, yeah. I think even people who were kind of like Elon curious, you know, were like, well, he's got some good, you know, ideas. And he really has done a lot. Like, even they, like with the Twitter acquisition, are just like, no, 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 this guy. Yeah. So definitely now that's like. It's like the equivalent of like, yeah, the photo of yourself in Machu Picchu or wherever, you know, on your dating profile is mm -hmm. like the second is like, are, what do you think of Dogecoin, you know, or what do you, Ooh, you know, yeah. Um, Goodbye. Or are you invested in Cybertruck? That's never going to. What is Cybertruck? No, it's one of his other vehicles. It's supposed to, I don't know. What do you guys, what, the chat might know. Oh, is, it a, is it the electric Tesla truck? It's a truck. It's a truck. Cyber tank it truck. I don't know what it's called. So ugly. It's, it's I think I've seen it. Yeah. It's horrific Ab nightmare. Absolutely. It looks like, I don't know. It looks like a butt plug gone wrong. Just like, this will be cute and cool. No, people like angles. Ow, no. You mean it doesn't have a flared base? Exactly. Is that wrong? Exactly. It's missing out on it. You gotta have a flared base. <laughs> wow. Okay. Starting up top with some good tidbits, good information on the on the butt plugs. Um, Jenny, what, what are you bitching about? Um, well, I think my number one thing right now. Okay, so it, this weekend was the kickoff of the Renaissance Fair. Ooh. Okay, it is Renaissance Fair season for some places, usually hot places. Um, and as a person who used to work at Ren Fairs and is an avid Ren Fair aficionado, I just love any chance I get to bitch about the historical inaccuracies of the costumes. It, oh. it like of the garb. It frustrates me to no end like the dude is trying to pass off I, jeans I, like like on the bottom no tell no. me like it's like let's um i'm a i'm a i'm a wench mm -hmm. and people think like wench is like i'm a sexy you know um woman of the night it's no wench was a waitress you're just i'm a waitress you know what i mean yeah. and like yeah you never your shoulders were not shown you didn't have a little chemise to show off your shoulders on your bodice that's all bullshit like just little things that of inaccuracies that like bother me. Yes, your I'm sorry, your hair was not outflowing. You wore a cap, okay? Because you were doing work. Right. You were a peasant doing work. Now, what about the cleavage though? Is that real? I think I think uh, for the most part, yes. But you would it could be also be covered. Now, what about the requirements of said cleavage? Isn't aren't Ren fairs or wasn't just the Renaissance generally in order to work as a beer wench. It was like the Hooters of its time. Honestly, you really had to be stacked in order to, to, to serve. I don't think you had to be stacked to serve. I think it was just the people were more voluptuous in the Renaissance era. Okay. Right. That was the, that was the standard of beauty. Right. And you had some tits and they came out and you know, then you just like shagged a horse guy. <laughs> You know, the horse guy. <laughs> He's got a horse. I mean, honestly, this is the equivalent of got, having the cyber yeah, truck. 
Exactly. He's got the he's got the cyber truck, and then you got pregnant, and then you were cast out of society. <laughs> That's what should be happening. That's historically accurate. <laughs> also, too, I'm sorry, women were not owning inns. Okay, it was well, actually, actually at the time, one of the only things women could own was like an inn oh, or right, a tavern. Right. Usually, it was like through an inheritance of some. What about a brothel? So husband would die. Um, I don't know if you. I mean, you probably could have owned a brothel. Um, so I guess it's just inns and brothels. Right. Now, I don't think you were though advertising like here's the bra here's the brothel. No, of course. One not. of the things is like if you were a a sex worker in 1540, sure. you would have remained covered up as much as possible because people would know you. Oh, I was gonna think just because of the crabs, like just oh I mean yeah, I mean the what the, <laughs> the amount of rotting it, your yeah, face yeah, off. Yeah, yeah. So I, I get a little frustrated. I get it. You got the costume on, um, you know, on uh, uh, Amazon. I understand. We're all in it. It's an inflation time. Uh -huh. You can't get a custom-made outfit. Um, but, you know, it's just like there. there's things where I'm like, oh, come on. Come on. That didn't exist. Like, it is – it. Ren fairs have become a, an extension of a Comic-Con, basically. Yes. Now there's people who go there who aren't even anything. They're just in a – I saw a furry at the rain fair mm. last year. I a was going to say, yeah, does everyone just sort of like throw – like stone that person to death, you know? No, because the kids loved the furry. No, but it's not the accurate. The kids were so excited by the furry. Once you let the furry in, then the next year a Mandalorian's going to show up, and you're going to be like, okay, it's not fucking Halloween. Well, you let one fairy in, all the other furries are going to come in. And the next thing you know, you've got a Renaissance furry orgy on your hands, okay? And they're not, they didn't have foxes dressed in uh, in little hats. I will say, though, um, uh, the fox from uh, Disney's Robin Hood. Um, Robin Hood, smoke show. Smoke show. Smoke. Just show. like had swag. Hi. How did you give, like, whatever, how do you give a fox swag? They Disney did Disney it. really did it. It's that smile. That guy, know? I feel like that guy definitely, um, if he was a person, would own a mushroom energy drink. <laughs> <laughs> he'd be doing pre-roll ads for this show right here. He would. He'd be doing pre-roll, and then he'd have one to be like, hey, can you believe you can get rid of up to 20 pounds of stored poop in your system? <laughs> totally no he has a six-pack like he is now yeah. he's giving andrew tate vibes a little bit eventually <laughs> oh god that's so funny all right well um i love i love that's a very good bitch very very different um yeah and we Just need like, that come on keep it ren fair i i get the elves i get it i get the some of the stuff fine but like steampunk I'll t I'll take your time traveling corn cob pipe and stick it up your dick hole. All right, you get that out of here. This is a this is a place of learning. <laughs> so good. All right. Well, let's let's get into some. Oh God, we have to talk about the news. Why? Why? Um, but some some important stories, some good shit, and here we are. So okay. uh, this is the week where. So this was the week where uh, the far right apparently has found its own leaker. Before, it was like the left had like Snowden and Chelsea Manning and Julian.
Mm -hmm. was like, you know, now the right is like, ooh, guy who was posting racist memes on Discord and didn't even want to be a whistleblower will take it. Um, so they, we ha now have, um, after months of sort of slow leaks on different websites, we now know um, that a leaker named um, Jason Texera, uh, who, um, who I believe was an Air Forceman. I'm sorry, I, I'm like, again, today has been a little rough, but um, here he is. I just want to show you this photo of him. He's 21 years old. He was arrested finally by the FBI this week. <clears throat> um, mass shooter vibes, like just. Man, those eyebrows. The, the wild. Wild brows. I mean, truly wild brows. Matt Matt Lieb has less wild brows than that. <laughs> Matt Lieb has a lot. It's very wild brows. Matt Lieb, not school shooter vibes. Not school shooter vibes. No, no, no. But so no. here we are. He's He looks a little bit younger. So I'm very, there's two things. One is how this all happened and then is what was revealed. So let's talk about how this all happened. So Texera was the head of a discord chat group um that was called uh oh like uh here i had it written down isn't like like orcs and thugs and it was called no. thug shaker central i think it was, was what it thug called shaker central. and it was okay. um so apparently that's like a it's in a Minecraft. It's either a Minecraft is how it got leaked. I'm I'm crushing the story, by the way. Everyone <laughs> know that I'm I'm crushing the story. Let's just rely on what we already have. Uh, I get most of my news from TikTok, so you know what's look exactly. This is a step up. <laughs> so this is from the Post, which originally posted all this uh, and broke all this story because they spoke to a couple of members of that Discord chat who uh, where he leaked these things, uh, and he was known by OG. So OG told the group that he toiled for hours writing up classified documents to share with his companions in the Discord server he controlled. The gathering spot had been a pandemic refuge, particularly for teen gamers locked in their houses and cut off from their real-world friends. The members swapped memes, offensive jokes, and idle chit-chat. They watched movies together, joked around, and prayed, which is just, ugh, of course. What? They didn't pray? Let me let me pray on that meme. Um. Oh my God. This is like, this is a, a a piece of, this is a propaganda right now. Exactly. But OG also lectured them about world affairs and secretive government operations. He wanted us to quote, keep us in the loop, one member said, and seemed to think that his insider knowledge would offer the others protection from the trouble world around them. Oh, oh wow. That's not going to bear out, but let's, let's keep going. So the best about all this is that he started posting these things and nobody understood what he meant. So he was like, God, and he got mad. Late last year, a peeved OG fired off a message to all the members of the server. He had spent nearly an hour every day writing up these long and drawn out posts in which he'd often added annotations and explanations for stuff that we normal citizens would not understand that the member said. His would-be pupils were more interested in YouTube videos about battle gear. He got upset, as he said on multiple occasions, if you guys aren't going to interact with them i'm gonna stop sending them so like i'm leaking private stuff why don't you care why don't you guys care like, come on i don't know it's all written in pig latin like this is weird like why yeah your little like code yeah, like 14 they're like i don't know is this gonna get me pussy <laughs> probably not so there were only about 25 people on this group chat so you're not wrong um, but then OG, again, Texera, 
changed tactics. Rather than spending his time copying documents by keyboard, he took photographs of the genuine articles and dropped them in the server. These were more vivid and arresting documents than the plain text renderings. Some featured detailed charts of battlefield conditions in Ukraine, highly classified satellite images of the aftermath of Russian missile strikes on Ukrainian electrical facilities. Others sketched out potential trajectory of North Korean ballistic nuclear missiles that could reach the United States. Another featured photographs of the Chinese spy balloon that floated around the country in February, snapped from eye level, probably by a U2 spy plane, along with a diagram of the balloon and surveillance technology attached to it. So there was a lot that he was leaking. And that's when people were like, oh, this might get me pussy. So oh, wow. they started spreading it around other groups that weren't. And then, yes, it did end up on a Minecraft, I believe, Discord, uh, and then eventually made its way uh, to the media. So there's a lot about what we know, like what is what was leaked. Um, a few things that some are very obvious. Others are maybe a little bit more off and interesting, but also everything within the realm of kind of what we assume the U.S. military, the Pentagon, um, is already engaged in. So um, in Ukraine, there are 14 total special forces. A small group of less than 100 people who are NATO members were already involved in operating uh, operating Ukraine. So effectively, there are mm-hmm. Western special forces inside of Ukraine. Um, not many, but still they're there. And this is yeah, this is not a NATO country yet. So that's potentially interesting. Um, that in terms of the war, something we already knew, but it's sort of borne out or proved in these documents, the war is going to keep going. It's going to keep going and going and going. And that Ukraine is actually in a really bad place. And some Ukrainians right now are actually happy that there are these leaks because it just shows how much they're in need of more and yeah. more and more assistance. Um, if they're actually going to win this war. Um, it also shows, and we talked about this on the bonus bish last Friday, um, that Russian there are Russian mercenaries who not only operate inside of Ukraine, but are now have aims to operate in countries like Haiti, um, you know, sort of Ooh. for higher, uh, you know, yeah. little, little operations. The more interesting thing to me, and it made me very fucking mad, is that the United States is trying to give Ukraine more support but they don't want to necessarily put boots on the boots on the ground and they don't want to necessarily yeah. commit even more and more and more money. So what they're trying to do is they're trying to coax Israel into getting involved in the Ukraine war oh, by way of giving them what they want in Iran. In other words, being more belligerent and aggressive to Iran, which Israel has wanted for a long time, in exchange for Israel sending their weapons, which ultimately are the United States' weapons because we fund them for two yeah. to three billion dollars a year. We make everything. We make exactly. all the weapons. So it is so listen to how fucking dangerous this is. And the Intercept did a very good piece on this. Um and uh but let's see. This is okay, so Israel's concern about Iran's Iranian influence in the region has fed an increasing appetite to confront Iran militarily, particularly after diplomatic efforts were torpedoed along with the nuclear deal. Remember, under Obama, the nuclear deal was signed under uh, Trump overturned and has yet to be implemented, re-implemented. The U.S. has seemed quite willing to co-sign this bellicose approach, even in the likelihood that a future war would draw in the U.S. as well. On Monday, CENTCOM announced the deployment of a nuclear submarine, this one armed with guided missiles and in the Mediterranean Sea. It is widely understood to be a threatening message for Iran, 
to which Iran promptly responded by accusing the U.S. of warmongering. Um, and the ambassador, this is in February, ambassador to uh, U.S. ambassador to Israel, Tom Nides, also appeared to give Israel green light to take steps against Iran with U.S. support. Quote, Israel can and should do whatever they need to deal with Iran, and we've got their back. I mean, you can't get more sort of cosign than that. Um, yeah. Which is very scary. And yeah, war. It's like, let's just, we have to go to a war economy. That's that's how they get us out of inflation all the time is like, let's go to war. Yes. So we're going to go into a war economy, which is what they want. And it, I mean, but the, I, and one hand it's like, okay, cool stuff was, that sucks. That sucks if that's happened. Um, but I mean, maybe that's something we should have known. No, exactly. They don't care what the blowback is going to be. And it, of course, yeah. no matter, like you're saying, no matter what, it's going to be a win for the weapons con contractors and manufacturers. Oh, yeah. And yep. what's interesting is that Israel, and I didn't really know this, the Intercept article goes into this, is that Israel has a relationship with Russia. So they don't want to seem like they're directly, you know, gonna, getting involved in the Ukraine war. But again, it's like, eh, I'll help you with your war. You help me with mine that isn't really yeah. mine and this isn't really yours and ultimately it's all going to be mine i.e the u.s is going to get involved so that i think was a pretty big and scary revelation again not outside of what we might assume already goes on in the background of the pentagon like you know fear-mongering and warmongering against iran um we know that's been going on for a long time mm -hmm. but so the best or worst part about the Pentagon leak story is that the right is heralding him as a whistleblower. Straight up. You've got Tucker yeah. Carlson on this. You've got Glenn Greenwald, former, you know, actual principal journalist now going on Tucker Carlson talking about how these leaks are amazing. First of all, they weren't leaked on purpose, like to the public. Yeah, they're linked. They were done for clout so that a. 21 year old could impress some 14 year olds exactly <laughs> and be like check it out i get clearance and in this like exactly i've got clearance and in this like you know again racist chat and of course that's opportunity for representative marjorie taylor green wait it's not just offensive it's also prayer okay don't forget that yeah there's some good stuff they also pray i mean group. they pray for all you know undocumented immigrants to drop dead but like whatever it's prayer yeah. But it's prayer. Um, Representative Green says, Jake Texera is a white male Christian and anti-war. Is white male Christian and anti-war. Wow. Anti-war. Wow. That makes him an enemy to the Biden regime. And he told the truth about troops being on the ground in Ukraine, which they're not. They're just, there's some yeah. NATO special forces. Okay. Ask yourself who is the real enemy, a low-level National Guardsman or the administration that's waging war in Ukraine, a non-NATO nation against nuclear Russia without war powers. So we could spend an hour on that tweet, Jenny, because there's so much bad faith BS being spun there. And it, it like as someone who got, you know, politicized and was involved in the anti-war movement, you know, against Iraq and Afghanistan and all that, it like makes me so sick to my core to see someone of the far right in bad faith use the phrase anti-war use the face use the phrase war powers which is like yeah, yeah yeah we should not have the war powers act right we should not like continually um give a green light to administrations to go to war um but your ass doesn't give a shit like you like she does no. not care it's 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 how they 
twist stuff is they use our language. Yeah. They use our language against us and then it confuses everybody. And they're like, well, I don't know. Or I guess they're anti-war. It's like she she is such a she like is Donald Trump. Like if Donald Trump was a filtered, clean, streamlined piece of shit. Mm-hmm. Right? Like she is crazy and crazy to a level where it you you like uh I, I had this story that someone told me about like if you do the craziest thing in public no one will stop you because their brains cannot understand that that would happen right. and so it's like the blind spot she is like totally living on this blind spot that trump lived in for a long time of being so crazy and saying the dumbest shit that none of us will do anything we're just like uh, i don't uh vote i I, so frustrated no yeah exactly and she gets she you know she gets clout speaking of clout because of it like that's all she does is have these like you know crazy takes like yay leaks leaks that weren't even revealing that there was mass spying they weren't revealing things like you know the murder of innocent civilians like chelsea manning did and julian assange like they weren't they're not that it's just again like you're saying just look at me i'm cool and yeah and actually you know and legit look i don't believe and we'll talk about this later i don't believe in funding for this overbloated military in pentagon i don't believe in endless funding for this war in ukraine i hope i do think the united states has a role i wish it weren't necessarily just vis-a-vis weapons um but so long as these things exist and people's lives are on the line you should probably keep those things safe not all leaks are created equal, you know? Like, it's yes. probably not a good idea to have this shit floating out there. Um, yeah. And like I said, it's stuff that, God, from folks who've been analyzing foreign policy for years, we know that this shit's been going on, you know? Um, yeah. So, of course, though, it's like, yeah, it's, it, it's it, just it any, makes my head Anything spin. they can take, anything they can take to twist, they're going to do it. So... I'm not surprised that that they're taking that stance because he is a white Christian. Yeah. Um uh racist. <laughs> I mean, there was a, a video of him leaked where he was like shooting a gun and saying like anti-Semitic slurs. Yeah. And so it's like, yeah, of course, they're like that's our guy. That's our guy. That's our that's our dude. This is where we have to pretend it, like that's not happening. Yeah. Anyway, he was an air. He is an Air National Guardsman, or I guess I'm sure will not be anymore. Uh, he's was also an air- too. I'm so surprised. He's from Massachusetts, which I was like, "What? Mass? Come on, Massachusetts! I love. I you. blame what Elizabeth Warren. Honestly, <laughs> what did she do? What didn't she do? Um, she should have gone to his house and been like, "Young man, yeah. Um, you just don't leak you- stuff like that. Uh, but okay, the." The other thing I want to mention a little bit of a the one good thing about having faux anti-war sentiment, faux or real coming from the right, and also having a Democrat in the president's office right now is that, for example, the Senate just in March over finally overturned that War Powers Resolution Act that, you know, that I just mentioned. So technically, there should be a consultation with the Senate, which I think is good. Um, for this war and for future wars. I'm not upset about that. Uh, but yeah, this leak is, this is not your boy. This, I mean, this is not our yeah. boy. It's their boy. He's no one's He's boy. He's no one's boy. That's might be the problem. Yeah. Um, we got to move on though <laughs> to, uh, to our next story uh, because this was the week where, oh man, things have come to a head now. Um, 
because it has been about a year since we found out that Senator Dianne Feinstein of California, 90 years old, is um, suffering some severe dementia and is unable to do her job. And um, about a year ago, a story was leaked, not leaked, uh, an interview was done with her staffers who ultimately were like, she doesn't know where she is often. Uh, This is getting really bad. And now here we are a year later and Senator Feinstein is out sick from the shingles, recovering from shingles, um, which is just kind of, I mean, many people can get shingles, but it's, it's like a, oh, your immune system is tattered and battered. Yeah. Like it is an old person illness. Um, You are much more susceptible. That's that, that uh, um, chicken pox coming back being like, hey. I didn't finish you off the first Absolutely. time. Exactly. <laughs> Hello, old friend. Hello, die fi So <laughs> she, and the problem is that she's leaving her seat on the Judiciary Committee vacant. Yeah. Um, and so she can't confirm judges, which is very, very necessary right now uh, yeah. in order to do things like protect reproductive rights, voting rights. And uh, you know that none of that is ever going to get protected again. Right. Leave it, leave it vacant. Whatever, we're all we're going to a dystopian fascist state anyway. Hurry it up. Let's get there. Let's, yeah, just hurry the shit up. Well, come on. <laughs> that is effectively what is happening. Um, yes, exactly. With or without her. So this is from the American Prospect. Uh, David Dayan wrote, um, Democrats have a thin majority in the Senate and their main job for the next 20 and a half months is confirming judges. Feinstein sits on the Judiciary Committee. Her indefinite absence gives that committee an even number of Dems and Republicans. Under current rules, a deadlock nominee cannot emerge from the committee to vote on the Senate floor. Twelve nominees have had Judiciary Committee hearings, but no vote out of committee since under current rules, a tie means a loss and another six are awaiting hearings. So that's what's happening now. What has to happen, and he later in this article explains, is that he she can temporarily be replaced. So um, Feinstein is being asked is asking uh, Democrats are fashioning a half a solution with Feinstein asking to be temporarily replaced replaced on the Judiciary Committee until she can return to Washington. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said he would honor the request for Feinstein's wishes. Majority Leader Schumer will ask the Senate next week to allow another Democratic senator to temporarily serve on the Judiciary Committee. However, Republicans do not want that to happen because they don't want any of the judges confirmed. So they don't want her to be temporarily replaced. And here is, there's a couple of folks, but here is Jim Jordan. Here's his take on the idea that Democrats would want to temporarily replace Feinstein in order to finally get some work done on the Judiciary Committee. It also sounds to me like the Democrats are trying to cancel Senator Feinstein. I mean, I, I remember saying this on the House floor a couple of years ago. I said the left and the cancel culture, they don't think they won't just go after Republicans and conservatives. They'll come after Democrats, too. And it was interesting because at that time when in California they decided they were going to take the name off the Diane Feinstein Elementary School. Remember this? Because mm-hmm. something she said like 30 years ago. So it's no longer named after her. Mm-hmm. Now they're trying to kick her out of the Senate. Now, I understand she hasn't been there much, but this is a Democrat issue. But the, the idea they're trying to cancel a, you know, a senator, it seems to me, is maybe the main takeaway from the for, for the Democrats. <laughs> they're trying again using our language using our language and he just looks like he looks ugh, his thinning hair it pisses yeah. me off every time God, like we all see it you dummy life is canceling senator feinstein her brain right? is like i'm done her brain is canceling. program run 
Okay. Her software is is out of commission. She's running no. on one of those MacBooks with the with the colored backs. Yeah. Okay. She's... You start her up and it's nothing but pop-up uh antivirus software windows. Oh no, yeah, she's a mess. A lot of porn. It's like it's like bum 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 you know, and he can't even yeah. like then the mouse, the cursor freezes up about like 10 seconds yeah. in. Yeah, no, she I was pissed when she ran for reelect. I'm just like, what? Is hap- like it's the same thing that kind of made me mad. I mean, everyone, of course, loves her, but um, uh, oh my god, what's her name? Uh, fucking oh my god, my brain from the from the Supreme Court. Oh, Katanji Brown Jackson, just no, oh. no, no, the one that died. Oh, oh, oh yeah, oh, RBG, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, RBG, okay. yeah. So it was very frustrating that she stayed. When she's, it's like, it's like, come on, you're not a super person. Like, just please give up some power. I know. We know you lift little, like, in. five pound weights. It's very cute. We love it. But yeah. So they're trying, yeah. what the funniest thing is, the Republicans really want her to just, like, weekend at Bernie's her way into nothingness. And so she can be can completely moved. So can they stop it? They can't. Because they have to vote to allow this replacement to even go forward. So here's Senator Susan Collins, Republican, says, um, Diane has been a trailblazing senator. During the past two years, it's become crystal clear that there has been a concerted campaign to force her off the Judiciary Committee, and I will have no part in it. Oh, yeah. So suddenly... They love Democrats. Suddenly they're like, we defend DiFi's right to be brain dead. It's like a fucking Terry oh Schiavo of the Senate. Just like keep her on life support so she could do nothing. Now, the best part. You know, like a lot of senators actually have like dementia and Alzheimer's. Like it's known. There are doctors in D.C. Yeah. who are like, yeah, I give them medication <laughs> to, to like it's known. It's it's crazy. And, and yet still we work. have age limits minimums jenny yeah we need maximums immediately um i think for voting too <laughs> that's my opinion oh, absolutely. but i think after 80 you you know just stay home absolutely um here's senator joe manchin uh doing what manchin does when it comes to democrats all trying to pull together in one direction oh, cool. um he says According to Manu Raju of CNN, Joe Manchin says he wouldn't support replacing Feinstein on Senate Judiciary. And he says of Democrats calling for her resignation, that's ridiculous. She was elected. She served admirably. We have no other. We've had other members gone for a year or more at times and no one called for their resignation. Is that true? It's just I don't think that's even true. Also, to, you know, that he's they're both talking about like. <laughs> Like a car with no wheels being like, this is a great car. Look at it. It's it's almost brand new. Yes. It's a perfect car. And it's just like falling apart, undrivable. You, hey, you guys wanted this car. Absolutely. You wanted it. Look, it's a so, BMW from 1987. Yeah. It doesn't have an engine, but it's got the logo. It's there. Hell yeah, it's got shingles. Itchy, itchy, uncomfortable. Exactly. Um, Okay. Very, very uh, last thing is that the only way to solve this is Diane Feinstein needs to resign. And honestly, I, I think she will. Like I, I think she's going to do so very soon. I, I, this is. 
This has gotten to a point where we're all talking about it that I would be very surprised if she makes it past April, but who knows? Um, and then in that case, I believe Governor Newsom would appoint someone in her stead, and that person could be a replacement on that Judiciary Committee, and, like, we could actually get shit done. Um, Can he replace her himself, like, without— Temporarily, for the interim, until so the next election. he could do it and be like, she's unfit, and I'm going to— Oh, no, 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 no. She has to resign. Oh, okay. okay. But honestly, they could just change she the locks. To. You know what I'm saying? They, they'll, look, they are. Just sign her out of Zoom, you know? Just be like, oh, sorry. I mean, they're just so, it's, it's like really amazing just to watch like uh, this middle school debacle in front of us <laughs> just unfolding. Yeah. And it's just like, so, it's so frustrating. Anyways, um, I hope she resigns. You know what? Let her die. I don't know. Let's have a fun funeral. Absolutely. Bring everyone it's together. It's a funeral. Yeah, we'll have a funeral. She did a lot and love her service, but no, Jim Jordan would be yeah. like, she's still kicking. Look at her. How dare you tarnish there's, her legacy? By, oh, just because she should die. Just because she's dead doesn't mean she <laughs> we're all dead. We're all dead inside, at least. Right? We've had we've had senators who've been dead for the whole year. Absolutely. And they still show up to work. Absolutely. Oh my god. Have you seen Chuck Grassley? Tales from the Crypt. You're telling me Wait. to die fi Look, her body's Movie still idea. a little bit warm. Put Movie her on idea. ice. All right. <laughs> the movie idea is yeah. uh, Weekend at Bernie Sanders. Weekend at Bernie Sanders? Yeah. Obviously. I mean. Let's make it. I mean, I just want to hang out with Bernie Sanders for a weekend. When he dies, I will ask that he be stuffed <laughs> and still <laughs> be put <laughs> on the floor. <laughs> Oh, God. Yeah, or just in his mittens. First of all, this is very sad. Don't even talk about yeah. that. But he definitely, if that's going to happen, it would be taxidermy and he'd be in his mittens and he'd be there just sort of watching yes. over everybody. Oh, um, but first, we've got to get him elected. He should die in office. All right, let's keep going because she's been waiting long enough. Award-winning neuroscience journalist and a contributing opinion writer at The New York Times. She's written several books, including her most recent Undoing Drugs, How Harm Reduction is Changing the Future of Drugs and Addiction. Please welcome Maya Slalovitz. I probably, Slalovitz. Solovitz. Solovitz. It's obvious the first Z is silent and the last Z is pronounced. Of course. Solovitz. Perfect. (laughs) Solovitz. Done. I was going to say Sizolovitz, which would be even tighter. um, That's the problem. (laughs) Yeah. There's no, no problem there. Uh, Maya, so good to have you. I'm very excited to get into this because it's been a while and I have like a personal relationship to some of the drug shortages that are going on right now um, as my husband can't access ADHD meds. Um, oh, yeah. But, but let's just start off from like a little bit of like the 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 talking point kind of like culture war level of why we don't really take drug policy seriously. Um, We know the drug war has failed. We know criminalizing drugs does not work. Um, Going after users does not work, Um, you know, on all these levels. But how do we break through that fear mongering when it comes to addiction um, and and this conversation? Well, I mean, the real problem is that politicians think they can get elected based on being tough on drugs. And the drug war is not successful at solving anything to do with drugs, but it is super successful at locking up black and brown people. 
And so that is really what stands in the way of it. Now, it's been mm -hmm. interesting lately because the opioid situation has been perceived as being white. And then suddenly right. harm reduction begins to come into the dialogue and we can think about being kinder to people with addiction and using solutions that actually work. Um, right. But there is this sort of old momentum. I think also a lot of politicians are stuck in the 90s and they think mm -hmm. that if they you know, support legal marijuana or um, do anything like that, that they will immediately lose power. And that's actually no longer true. The public is way further along than the politicians because most of the public does not want to use drug policy as a political issue, but actually wants their friends and family members and other loved ones to be helped. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, in, yes, exactly. So open opening with it's racism, of course, in this country, like, you know, and, and the the feature, not the bug of the drug war is that it's locking up black and brown people. Um, and yeah, now we have the opioid crisis and we also have this fentanyl crisis that gets trotted out on Fox News a lot, but no real solutions are being offered other than throwing more money at the DEA. Oh, this is why we defunded the police, even though we did not. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> but look, when you look at the numbers and you've written about this in, in your op-eds, you know, 100,000 dead in 2022 is absolutely chilling and unacceptable um talk about this fentanyl epidemic sure. um, and what's the root cause and what what can be done so i guess the root cause of our fentanyl epidemic is drug policy is our bad drug policy um now there's not to say that there aren't other factors but the situation was um in the 2000s we had uh, a massive increase in prescribing of prescription opioids and some of that actually helped people with pain, but a lot of that got diverted to the street. 80% of people who misused prescription opioids did not have a prescription for the first opioid that they misused. So the vast majority mm -hmm. of this is people um, who use drugs who are not any more innocent than people who use crack back in the day. Um, but we kind of, again, want to see uh, white people as innocent, so they had to be addicted by doctors. Anyway... Once mm -hmm. we discovered that there was this, uh, you know, enormous rise in opioid misuse, we decided, hey, the best way to solve this is to cut the medical supply. So we cut the medical supply in half and basically tripled the overdose death rate that we were that we had already massively increased earlier. And so the result, like we knew because it people to go from getting their prescriptions or from the doctor's office to the streets. Yeah, well, also, like, I mean, even stuff that was diverted from doctor's offices, it was still pharmaceutical drugs. Like, for what everything you right. want to say bad about the pharmaceutical companies, and there's a lot bad to say, at least their products are pure and of known dosage. So when you, yeah. when you switch from something like that to fentanyl, which can range from 50 times stronger than morphine to 10,000 times stronger. Jesus. Yeah. So you've got that. And you've also got the fact that um, one of the reasons that people previously were able to live relatively long lives while taking opioids is that the, uh, you know, the supply was reasonably steady. If you didn't get what you were sold, it was probably a placebo. 
it wasn't going to kill you. Mm. You were going to end up in withdrawal, but you know, um, they, that isn't the situation today. Now what they are cutting with is a very active substance, um, sometimes more than many times more than one. And so you end up with people not being able to build a tolerance to substances. And that makes it even more likely that they would overdose, even if it wasn't a zillion times stronger. Right. Right. And so in terms of that policy, who called, who made that call? And how, you know, you talk about the difference between the DEA and the FDA and um, just explain who's like, which court is this ball in and like, which court should it be in? Well, and uh, so yeah. unfortunately, the ball is in a zillion courts <laughs> and the um, there are many, many different messes organizationally that lead to this problem. But on a federal level, the DEA, the Department of Justice, um, the Office of National Drug Control Policy all decided that what was needed was a crackdown on these pill mills and these doctors. And right. a lot of them knew that this would happen. I mean, you know, if you believe that addiction right. exists and you had a lot of people addicted to opioids and you cut one supply, do you really think they're going to instantly be cured and not look for another supply? And do you really think the gangsters are going to ignore this huge market that you've created? Um, you right. know, they had a list of every single person who was getting drugs from a pill mill. Now, some of them were pain patients. Some of them were people with addiction. We could have taken that list and said, okay, let's evaluate you. Um, get the pain people continuing pain medication. Get the people who have both complex care um, and get the people with addiction, addiction medication, which interestingly is most successful by using an opioid. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and because it's a controlled substance, there's all these different regulations. I mean, I guess we can, I just kind of want to jump to this ADHD sure. discussion because again, it it's affecting me and I have a, you know, six month old and my husband's been off um, Adderall for six months for, since October. Mm -hmm. So, and then the step in is Vyvanse and that's actually in short supply. So there's like, it's really, really bad. Anyway, I'm doing mornings is all I'm trying to say, uh, but, but it, <laughs> it's, uh, so, yeah, so it's crazy. Like, and people aren't really talking about it that much. There's not that much action being taken. What, what's happening? So basically, um, this one is pretty clearly down to the DEA and there were originally some manufacturing shortages that happened, you know, during the pandemic and supply chain issues that happened with pretty much everything during the pandemic. But the FDA yeah. keeps quotas of how much each particular company is allowed to make of each particular controlled substance. And okay. so one company might not be using all its quota, but another company um, is. And so, you know, they ask for the DEA to raise the quota and they're saying no, because the other people have spare. The other issue is that the distributors who um, provide the drugs to the pharmacies in order to settle the opioid cases, they said, okay, we're just going to distribute a lot less controlled substances. And so they have secret quotas for pharmacies and the pharmacy doesn't yes. know if they're about to hit it. And this is really the dumbest way oh, to deal with weird. a medical problem. You know, we can argue about doctors over prescribing or whatever, but either you trust the doctors to prescribe or you don't. 
if you trust them right. to prescribe, mm-hmm. you should make the drug available. If you don't, then we have an even bigger problem. Um, but the bottom line is that people with ADHD are really suffering right now and needlessly because of this bureaucratic mess that is largely down to law enforcement, whether it be the DEA itself or these opioid settlements, which um, you know, the idea was, again, that the evil pharmaceutical companies caused this, so therefore we will just crack down on the supply. And doing that does not work. Addiction is no much more complicated. Yeah. Right, and, and, and then the lack of actual, like, solutions to addiction, which I, I do want to eventually get to. But I love you also write about, you know, a year or in the summer of last year, um, you know, after the Dobbs decision came down, and since you were, were talking about what happens when you criminalize medicine, you know, applying that to abortion rights and reproductive rights and which, what just happened now with the essentially rescinding of Mifepristone's FDA, you know, approval, um, which is going to impact abortion seekers across the country. Um, talk about that. Yes. Like, talk about what happens when we criminalize these like basic medicine. Well, so this is, I mean, the ADHD crisis is a classic example of this. Um, When you're trying to legislate using a sledgehammer, um, you're going to end up with lots of a mess. You're going to end up with people who should get the drugs not getting the drugs um, and people Mm -hmm. who shouldn't Mm -hmm. get the drugs getting the drugs. Um, So, you know, you just can't, you you know, the... um, Surgery is delicate. You need these little teeny tools, not sledgehammers. And if you want to practice medicine, the first thing you're going to learn is that people are hugely variable. Um, You know, one patient might take an opioid and it really helps them. Um, Now their pain is under control. They can get on with their life. They can function. I could be on a massive dose and you wouldn't know if I was tolerized to it. Um, somebody else might develop an addiction. Another person might be, yuck, this makes me nauseous. It's horrible. Another right. person might right. actually become stimulant. Like it's like drugs work incredibly variedly. I mean, this is why we have this whole thing with antidepressants where first they were like the panacea and then they were like a poison and then it was like they're a placebo. <laughs> All three of those things are true because different people (laughs) react to drugs in different ways. This sounds really tedious, but the bottom line is that when you have legislators trying to set medical policy by creating broad brush laws, you end up Mm -hmm. with patients suffering. And if we want to have a decent medical care system, We have to trust that our doctors are going to prescribe as they should. And we can either um, work with them by teaching them better medicine if somebody's overprescribing, but doing this just by creating shortages does not solve ADHD over or under diagnosis. And it just creates a mess. Yeah. And when it comes to mifepristone, it's, uh, you know, it, th- basically everything that the Republicans were fear-mongering about, remember under Obamacare, like, oh, you're going to, Uncle Sam's going to be in, you know, under your hospital gown. Like, now that's actually happening. Yes. Now there yeah. are doctors consulting their hospital's lawyers and who are running interference while a woman is miscarrying um, and needs immediate medical attention or someone needs, a, you know, an abortion, whatnot. And so it's like, it's 
makes it even more bureaucratic yeah. when you come down on these I mean, you different don't types want of lawyers medication. Practicing medicine. Mm -hmm. When lawyers practice right. medicine, nothing good happens. Um, no. And you end up like doctors are, you know, they don't want to go to jail or prison quite reasonably. Um, so they're going to protect themselves first. And I mean, this is what happened with the pain patients. They were like, I know this drug benefits you, but I got to take it away because otherwise I'm going to get arrested. Um, with, yeah. you know, and similarly with abortion. And one of the scary things about the whole Mifepristone situation is that mm -hmm. if any random judge can just say, okay, this drug's been approved for years, there's no safety problems, but I don't like it, um, then we really don't have an FDA anymore. We really don't have a system of drug approvals anymore. And if you want to see what happens when you don't regulate drugs, I suggest you take a look at street fentanyl. Yep. No. And mm -hmm. that's so that <laughs> and this all kind of goes to I mean, that's the thing is like you could we're in a culture war moment. You know, anyone could take aim yeah. at ADHD meds or any kind of antidepressant meds and say, like, um, you know, kids are oh, th this is being overprescribed. It's turning them woke. It's turning them gay. You know what I mean? Uh, it's it's making them focus on books too much and no kid should read that much. You know, Ritalin is, you yeah. know what I'm saying? And, and, and they just start taking it away. Yeah, I mean, and like, you know, what, what I'd like to see is um, let's find one of these really far right folks who's like, let's ban Viagra. Like that has no real purpose. Bet you start to see changes mm -hmm. when that happens. Exactly. Yeah, you, you like, you don't even deserve an erection. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? God said yeah. That. You don't like what the Lord said. No, the Lord said you were done. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what are you gonna go against God's will? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so going to you know what can be done. I mean, I think it's interesting when we talk about regulation, right? Um, and I think you're we're sort of in this intersection between you know, um, for lack of a better term, I guess, yeah, illicit street drugs and regulated drugs and i think the opioid epidemic proved that those things need to that policy needs to work in tandem and as i as you've you know laid out that those policies need to work in tandem um and um and yet i think we always we kind of like when weed was legalized you know my perspective is like i feel like it should be more regulated you know what i'm saying um in, in certain mm -hmm. aspects but i also think that it should be like lower costs and all this and like and you could grow it i have a lot of thoughts but anyway what is let's talk about harm reduction sure. let's talk about actually be real what yeah, actually, let me just say yeah. one thing to that like the way we regulate drugs overall needs to change we need basically the equivalent of an fda for so-called recreational drugs um yes. the idea yeah. and i mean basically we're swinging from a a situation where of going from absolute prohibition to absolute commercialization. And those are the worst yes. two ways of doing drug policy. In the middle is the sweet spot, which is actually harm reduction, um, which is recognizing that all of these things take place in context and that, you know, um, this year's drug, um, a lot of people will do. And then a lot of the same people who would have done this year's drug will do next year's drug when it's in fashion. Right. Um, so in order to deal with that, we have to look at all the complex things like, you know, um, does this drug substitute for that drug? I tend to think that um, marijuana often substitutes for alcohol, which is a positive substitution because it's less harmful. Um, so yes. some degree mm -hmm. of commercialization of marijuana to compete with the commercialization of alcohol um, is slightly useful. But ideally, right, right. 
fight fire with fire. Yeah, ideally, <laughs> you would want to really regulate everything and sort of try to make policy drive people as much as possible towards the least harmful substances. And so harm reduction yeah. is basically the idea in drug policy that we should stop people from getting hurt rather than trying futilely to stop them from getting high. I mean, people have been getting high mm -hmm. forever. Mm -hmm. Cats have catnip. I mean, it's like, you know, we all have, yeah. um, even creatures that are less evolved. Less Cows do much. Yeah, like there's many like animals that yeah. will. That's not, it grows under their shit. You know what I'm saying? Like they, oh, the whole I would love they to see have, a trip. They don't have to do it. I, yeah, they have a choice. <laughs> Well, and I mean, the bottom line is that if you have any degree of consciousness, you probably want to alter it in this world. Um, just like <laughs> thank you. Um, but real, real, realistically speaking, humans are going to do this, and so we can either like say, okay, well, for all of the foreseeable future, the only drugs that are allowed are the ones that white colonial males were able to profit from, i.e., alcohol, mm -hmm. tobacco, and caffeine. Um, or yeah. we could say that, you know, these are actually, with the exception of caffeine, pretty harmful substances. And lots of people can actually benefit from many of the other substances, as we're beginning to learn with psychedelics. Um, yes. You know, we obviously do not want Philip Morris fentanyl, um, although it would be safer than street fentanyl. <laughs> but yeah. that is not a good plan. Um, what you really want to do is have policy that steers people either through pricing, uh, through regulation, through times of availability, um, through advertising towards the least harmful substances. And, you know, harm reduction starts in the AIDS um, era and it's about like, well, HIV is more dangerous than drugs. So let's, um, you know, reduce that harm. Um, but then right. the people who developed it um, rapidly saw that actually when you focus on reducing harm people do better um mm -hmm. treating people who use drugs as people and absolutely when you treat someone you know hey i'm not trying to make you do anything i just want you to live you know um when you come to people with that attitude that kind compassionate empathetic open attitude instead of you must do this you must do that um you end up with better outcomes more people seek treatment rather you're not enabling you're actually getting people to do what's best for them because they actually begin to care after you know hating themselves for so long so a lot of the mm -hmm. time um you know harm reduction looks scary to some people on the outside because it looks like oh you're just letting them do drugs in fact, they're doing the drugs already. So how do we yes. keep them alive until um, they can get to a healthier place? Absolutely. And not having to, uh, I mean, what puts people in so much danger? I mean, drugs remaining illegal as they are already puts one in danger when they have when they're acquiring it, but also finding places to use or um, mm -hmm. wanting to keep it a secret or the stigma around it. Um, adds to a lot of that um, lack of safety. And so when that can melt away, um, and again, yeah, there is more compassion, you can actually start to treat it. It's not say, you know, it'll always, you know, uh, it's a silver right. bullet. It's but It's reduction of harm. It's not elimination of it's, harm. Exactly. It's pragmatic exactly. and it meets people where they are. And, you know, totally. this is what we do in the rest of medicine. I mean, you know, nobody like cuts people off of insulin because like they didn't stay on their diet. 
um, don't have the donut yeah. police. Um, we recognize that uh, Herschel Walker wanted to do that. Remember, that was his plan. He was like, they were like, what are you going to do about prescription drugs? He's like, you know what? People don't eat enough greens. And you were like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Buddy. you know, um, people are complicated. We don't always do what's best for us. Sometimes we rationally choose to take some risks and we need to like respect that people have agency and that if you actually give them better choices, they will tend to make better choices. Yeah. Can I, I just wanted to ask about um, where it has worked, where you've seen harm reduction work and then why you know, we've seen Gavin Newsom veto a safe injection site plan in California. We've seen the Biden administration cave to the right in removing clean needles from, I, I guess, kits that were distributed uh, during the pandemic. No, the needles um, stay in. The crack pipes went out. Oh, the pipes went out. <laughs> got it. Got it. Got it. Right. Right. Damn. Uh, they just he slipped an apple in there and was like, just cut out the hole. You know what I'm saying? Come on, I mean, man. Uh, you know, um, but yeah, like there is enormous pressure because so many politicians either um, are right wing or stuck in the 90s. Um, and right. so there, you know, I believe Newsom wants to run for president. So he doesn't want those attack ads with, look, he wants people to shoot up safely and they can't and whatever. Yeah. I mean, Look at this clean facility that also has a bathroom and staff. It's really horrible. Look like, how nicely that sounds great. Well, like, look how nicely they're treating these horrible bad people who we should be kicking yeah. in the face, right? Um, exactly. So, I mean, yeah, it's just really sickening, especially from people who claim to call themselves Christians. Um, but, um, you know, because I have to say, some of the most faithful, um, spiritual religious things I've seen have been people working in harm reduction, like serving people who are, you know, everybody yeah. else will not be in the room with them. Um, you know? right. And so mm -hmm. in terms of places where harm reduction has worked, Portugal is the obvious um, example. Um, they decriminalized all possession and they put a lot of money into voluntary treatment. Um, they did not legalize dealing, um, but users don't get arrested for possession. And, you know, some people made weird claims mm -hmm. like, oh, actually they do get forced into treatment. And that is simply not true. I've been there. I've talked to the officials there. Um, you know, 5% of the time, that's when, when people get stopped for a citation, which happens if they're in publicly in possession. Um, only 5% of the time do they have a second such offense. Um, so mm -hmm. obviously they're not pushing a lot of people into treatment if nobody even gets a second strike, right? Um, right. But now that yeah. you've reduced the stigma, you have less overdose. Um, they do have safe injection sites. Um, they do have needle exchanges. They have expanded methadone treatment. They have expanded abstinence treatment. They've basically made it so that if you want help, you can get it without having to be, you know, arrested first. Um, yeah. What's really silly about the yeah. whole thing, again, like we don't have the donut police. We recognize that complex conditions take time to change and that mm. jail and prison simply do harm. I mean, you know, I could list off a whole bunch of statistics about reduced you know, uh, increased mortality, increased COVID, increased HIV, increased tuberculosis, um, uh, lowered life expectancy, um, worse cancer, 
um, pretty much any bad outcome, oh, sexual abuse, um, you know, that you can think of is made worse by jail and prison. Um, yep. So mm -hmm. what are the things that are associated with recovery? Employment, um, <laughs> ha um, having a home. Uh, what does having a criminal record do to your chances of employment or having a home? Well, it reduces them. Um, so yep. it's just backwards. If we want people to get better, we need to attract them into treatment. And it's actually yep. not that hard to do because addiction actually isn't fun. Um, there's sort of a whole <laughs> misconception that like, oh, they're out there having, you know, being lazy, having such a great time. Well, first of all, being lazy isn't going to cut it because you got to score every day and you got to get in. Totally. You know, yep. that, that's not yep. happening. There's a lot of enterprise yeah. going on there for good or ill. Um, so, right. but, you know, hedonism, uh-uh. You know, once you're addicted, um, it mostly doesn't work anymore. Um, and the people who get addicted, you know, something like 70% have at least one severe childhood trauma. Um, vast majority also have um, mental illness, which often, you know, lots of people have predispositions to it, but what tends to turn a predisposition into an actual condition is um, trauma. Um, so yeah. these are not like happy people who are like, I just want to live freely and, and, you know, not have any responsibilities. Uh, it's yeah. sad people, um, who are seeking to feel okay, not happy people who are seeking to feel better. Right. And, and just like on the unhoused population or the mentally, you know, ill, like there's overlaps of course. And, you know, we are fighting, uh, the right that wants to just forget about them and doom them to, uh, again, just to, just the trash shoot of humanity, kind of like, well, sorry, you didn't cut it. Goodbye. Like it is, all of this is your fault. Um, and then I think Democrats who largely still their only investments are being made into the carceral system um, and yeah. they're too afraid to actually do something like harm reduction. And ultimately it is about capitalism as well. well yeah. You know? And I mean, and I think, about you know, I think one of the, one of the things that helps move people towards harm reduction is really understanding like how it works. It's not about like, let's like keep people unhoused and let's not ever recommend treatment. And let's like, you know, um, just make sure they use as much and as long as possible. Like, it's mm -hmm. about meeting people where they are and not leaving them there. It's about yeah, totally. helping people access the services that they can. And one of the things that I think is really important to mention is like, you know, if you think of the famous people with addiction, um, you know, pretty much any rock star, for example, um, lots of people in theater, <laughs> but also lots of people, you know, in math or all kinds of talented people have addiction and not that only talented people should live, but if you want to actually have more scientists, more artists, more workers, um, there's an enormous amount of talent among the people that we seek to throw away. Um, and I'm struck by this every mm -hmm. time I go out and do interviews and, and talk to people. And it's just, to me, it's just such a stupid waste. Like we have, um, you know, we can help people. We don't have to have this housing crisis and we don't, you know, I mean, yes, capitalism, but um, I do think we can right. do a lot better than we're doing. And I think like actually in terms of spending, it is much cheaper yes. to actually house someone than to just repeatedly arrest them over and over. Yeah. 
Amen. I I wanted the last thing I want to say is just my own personal anecdote about working around. It sort of goes back to the question of like full legalization and throwing it to the market. And I think that uh, a lot of folks on the left progressives might severely disagree with me. And I want to just underscore what you said about that importance of of regulation and um, steering people to the less harmful things. I was in Uruguay, of all places, uh, doing a story about the legalization of marijuana. They studied all the cases. They studied, you know, looked at Amsterdam and Holland. They looked at Portugal. They looked at Colorado. They looked at, you know, states in the United States. And then they crafted their own um, their own gr- drug policy around marijuana legalization. And what they didn't want to do was throw it to the open market because they knew that they're oversaturated in cigarettes and alcohol everywhere is being advertised. And they're like, we don't want this just to become another over marketed substance and we are going to we're going to keep a registry of folks so we know how much they're getting we're going to have actually like subsidized farms government subsidized farms to grow it and we're going to allow individuals to grow up to 30 plants effectively but they cannot sell it they can only create a club where they can give out marijuana they cannot accept money for it i believe that was the case so they're not allowed to become yeah, like distributors necessarily. It's you can be part of a club. I can join your club. Um, you can have some of my flowers. Like, and yeah, and there's no money to be made in that, Maya. So it's like you're in between this, like you know, drug policy BS and the like hyper capitalist that's right to the market BS. And you're right about there's something in the middle there, and the government does have a role to play that doesn't have to be so cruel um, mm-hmm. and ham fisted. Absolutely. And that's, I mean, you know, if you look at the way alcohol was regulated immediately after prohibition, I mean, some states still have, um, you know, you can only buy it from government stores, basically. Um, You know, and I think, think yeah, yeah. I mean, there are some states, there are some places in some states that are still actually supposedly dry. Um, I think they just go to the next county. Um, But the, um, the thing is like, yeah, when you have regulations, people will try to get around them. But what you want to do is make them optimized, you know, and this is going to take like, you know, I think Uruguay um, is experimenting over time and this works. Maybe that doesn't work. Um, You know, it's going to, um, it's, you know, it's complicated, but I think the more experiments with, doing it in a controlled way and finding that middle ground, the better. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Um, Maya Solovitz, where can people find you in your work and uh, get your book? Uh, sure. So um, mayasz.com, which is M-A-I-A-S-Z, um, because I didn't want people to have to spell the rest of my name. Otherwise, I would never get them. <laughs> but that is where you can find most of my work. I am a contributing opinion writer for the New York Times. And so you will see me in their pages regularly. And my most recent book, um, Undoing Drugs, um, can be found wherever books are sold. Um, bookshop.org is a very nice indie chain um, that collects all the uh, indie bookstores. So if you want to support them, great. Um, if you're lazy and want to go on Amazon, as long as you buy my book, it's cool. (laughs) (laughs) Um, thank you so much for taking so much of your time. And, and this was just excellent. Like I, I love this. I love this. And I'm going to be referencing you and this interview for many, many, many years. So, but come back when your next book is out or next article and yes, take good care. Thank Thank you. you too. 
Awesome. Jenny, we have... That's really interesting. Very interesting. I was, yeah. you know, like, I'm very jealous of sometimes I like to... I, I apologize I talked over you, girl. Um, You know? No, no. Uh, wanted to give some space to, uh, yeah, reflect. I mean, it feels like... I do feel like you can... Because part of me is like, well, we can't really tackle this unless we also tackle prisons, unless we also tackle capitalism, unless we also tackle, tackle housing. And yet I do feel like even some sort of centrist libs could very much get on board with, like, harm yeah. reduction initiatives. Um, and California's proof of that, I, you know? I don't think, though, unfortunately, I don't think that the older generation can because they are so raised in the mentality of you need to work hard, bootstraps, I suffered, you should suffer. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like the idea of, I think the idea of like someone who's a drug addict and gets help through harm reduction right. to them is they're like, wait a minute, so I just could have been a drug addict this whole time? Right, right, right. And, you're and gonna... I would have gotten a free room? Totally like, <laughs> it's like, um, I remember talking to this guy and he had a condo on Redondo Beach and he was complaining about the homeless people. Uh-huh. And he's like, I paid money to live on the beach and they just get to live there for free. Wow. And I was like, you're in a fucking house. Dude. You live inside you have a bathroom. You live inside, but they don't, it doesn't, it's to them. They're like, they're like, you're like, this person's addicted to drugs and destroying their life. Yeah. But they get to like, not go to work. <laughs> you're just like, okay. And that's, that I is mean, a mentality it is, that has to be gotten rid of. They don't have to, to go work. to work. It, it it takes a particular yuppie to look or like to look at a, a homeless person and be like, they don't even have to go to work. Like it's just, which is such a <laughs> funny, so much fun. Totally. Oh, they're living, they're living their best life. Like that's such a funny way to turn, like get a job. Like what they're actually saying is I'm jealous that you don't have to go to work. Like I just, yeah. Like, Oh, God. Way to make, like, homelessness about you, dude. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Which I think we all, I mean, not we all, but many people do that. That, like, it's like, yeah. this is my, your, you not having a home is actually hurting my eyeballs and my soul. And you're like, yeah. mm, is it, though? Um, just a couple comments before we go to our last segment. Very, very quickly. Um, Willie Gus says, DEA, Donut Enforcement Administration. Love it. Mm. Mm. Agreed. I mean, let's replace it. I like, I mean, we shouldn't obviously, but I feel like the DEA would also like make sure you're eating a certain amount of donuts at least, you know? Yes. Just not too many donuts. Um, yeah. So you can have as many donuts as you want. Absolutely. They're just this making is a, this sure. Is a, this is a free country, remember? Unless you're a woman or, or a person of color, but it's a free country. <laughs> um, Jeff Curry on YouTube. The only thing that's in danger when I smoke weed is the contents of my fridge. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I've yet to see someone get into like, like you don't have like weed fights the way you have drunk fights or like you no. know, it's just it's not this doesn't hit the same. Um, yeah. Alien sock puppet on Twitch. What happened to my body? My choice or does that only apply to vaccines? Honestly, um, unhacker says it's more profitable to arrest them over and over and over. Is it though? Like it's not, but it. I, I don't. Well, it's not to us who are paying taxes, but to other people. Yeah. To the private, what the private, uh, um, uh, oh my God, prison system. Oh, well, yeah. The private, kept saying private prison system. Absolutely. Police. And, you know, capital and corporations who don't want to yeah. actually like deal with anything or give people a livable wage. Um, you know, you could just call the cops. 
yeah. and then it enforces the color line and the economic poverty line and you know it's brilliant um anywho let's move on to our final segment it's tax day taxes uh, paying your taxes is so much fun gonna get turbo mm-hmm. tax even i already bought one all right mine are mine are all uh i mean in january my accountant and i were like we're gonna move the we're gonna we're gonna get a head delayed, start right yeah we're no no no, no. we're gonna extend oh we're, we're gonna, gonna extend, extend. Yeah, yeah 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 because i you yeah. gotta um like do you here's the th- what's uh it's very hard to know how little billionaires pay in taxes um, like I believe Bezos paid point four 4% of his income, his earned income, which again, none of this applies to the capital gains that they're making hand over fist from all their investments. Yeah. Um, but they're the innovators. They need to keep their money. So they can keep innovating. Job creators. So, so, but like, then when you consult your own shit and you're like, okay, so I'm going to write off, uh, you know, like four by four square foot, like this desk area of my home because I use it to stream yeah. for my podcast that relies feet. on Patreon, which I then have to pay tax. Like it's just like this. Yeah. It's only 400 feet. That's all you can write off. Absolutely. It's like the small little, I guess will be, and it's just a percentage of that. Anyway, yeah. all to say it is it is tax season. And in case we needed this uh, crude, crude and cruel reminder, the organization I used to work for, shout out to War Resistors League, WRL, always puts out this um, pie chart every year, which is where your income tax Ooh. money really goes. And it shows uh, that currently 43% of our dollar goes to the military. And a lot of it is current military. But then you got past military. Um, then 45%, so more than the military, is human resources. That accounts for things like uh, Medicare and Medicaid. Um, and it is why the GOP is so, so hot to strip those uh, programs away from people because uh, mm-hmm. they see human resources versus military. And they're like, mm, we're going to go with the human resources that help mostly poor people. So, yeah. Um, so there's that. Now, what you get sold is this other pie chart. And here's a chart that shows that the military is only 15% of national defense. Um, but as War Resisters League points out, um, it's a distortion of how our income tax dollars are spent because it includes trust funds, i.e. Social Security. And most of the past military spending is not distinguished from non-military spending. So that could go under social programs, et cetera. Um, for a more accurate representation of how your federal income tax dollars really spent, see the larger graph. And so the other thing is that it's true that on this, this other chart, you've seen social security. It's like, Oh, look at what a big part of it. But then if you actually lump it in with human resources, you've got education, health and human services, you've got um, HUD labor department, um, health and clean energy credits and that kind of stuff. Um, So to say nothing of you've got physical resources over here, 6%, general government, 6% over here. So yeah, 43% to the military, and it keeps going up. Um, and as the Institute for Policy Studies reminded us, Ooh. if we paid our taxes, we likely paid $1,087 for Pentagon contractors and $270 for K-12 through public education. Awful. 
Mm, Awful. That's it. That's it. So look, they're gonna war economy. We're gonna need soldiers. Exactly. Why would you make college free? Because who's who would enroll? Absolutely. We if you water. Make college free. But if we were to dream, where do we want our taxes to go, guys? Sound off thoughts. Think about it. Education for sure. Ooh, this is my tax wish list. Bringing it back. Um you you started with education education yeah yeah you got to educate people that's why i think that's where we are today like people are just dumb <laughs> it's true <laughs> like, it's true no it and if you keep them dumb then that's great i say give all the money i was going on about this on the bonus bish last week uh we were talking about how npr ditched twitter and how npr and pbs and, you know, things like the National Endowment for the Arts gets, like, super short-shrifted. So any kind of publicly funded mm. media, which, by the way, NPR receives, like, very little of its budget from the actual government. Um, but Republicans yeah. love to go at it. I say give them all the money. Give them all the money. Let them do all the podcasts so they can buy my podcast. You know what I'm saying? Like, Great. I, I can speak in hushed tones, you know. I've got a mm -hmm. weird name, Francesca Fiorentini. Like, I'm already halfway there. Um, yeah, I know some of you guys are like, no, Francesca, you're way too loud for NPR. I, I can tone it down. I can. I think you could. I think you can just get real close. Yeah, exactly. Just, just get real close to the microphone. Very ASMR. I think yeah. give all the money the arts. The NEA is so underfunded. We need an industry, and you're a comic. We understand how underfunded like comedy is generally venues and how much of a grind it is. Imagine if yep. there was subsidies for those venues so they wouldn't have to underpay performers as they do yeah. right like um imagine if it was yeah partly supported by like the government yeah i mean other countries do it they have yep. huge grants i have a friend who works in the industry and she moved to ireland and is like i'm staying here i can make work and the government will help me fund it bro i'm you know, it's, it's, I'm they this close. actually care about I'm it. very close. And yeah. Ireland's definitely on the list because, yeah, again, hu husband just, refuses to learn a different language. No, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, but Irish is a different language. Okay. Yeah, it's true. I would, I think I would go to the UK, even though it's good. It's very, I mean, the Tories, holy shit, they've got their own set of problems, but you know, it's expensive. They, You'd have to live in sort of like a windswept, sheepy place, you know? Uh, it sounds amazing. Yes, I'm taken. I'll, I'm there. <laughs> yeah. I want to live in an old church on a graveyard. That's well, once Scotland okay. goes its separate way, I think that could also be a good option. That could be a, that could be a great place. Um, but I like it. We're getting away. figure that out. <laughs> We're getting away from, I okay, I want, I want a gun buyback program a very robust gun buyback program Ooh, that would be really good. yes it is the way to take give people money give the gun nuts money because they have guns but they need food on the table and they need to pay rent take advantage yeah. of that buy back the guns i also yeah. want my tax dollars um to go to real universal pre-k and child care um today biden passed a signed an executive order um that is 
very much a step in the right direction in terms of it is a massive um, directive for home care workers, be they child care workers, be they um, uh, people who are working with uh, the elderly, uh, domestic workers in general. Um, it, it, yeah. it gives like a basically a co-signs the a domestic workers bill of rights saying that domestic workers have a right to unionize. They have a right to fair wages, all that, which is great. If you look at the plan, there's not a lot of money in it, Jenny. It's not like it's yeah. like, and here's the money. In fact, he was, he campaigned, of course, on like $220 billion or something like uh, if there was money. Yeah. And this is more like, we believe that this should happen. And I'm going to direct, you know, different departments to see yeah. how they can support childcare workers to see how they can offer more childcare benefits to federal workers, uh, government workers. That's all fine and good, but here's my thing. It's fucking tax day, y'all. If we don't tax billionaires and corporations at the rates that they deserve, at the rates that we are taxed, then we're never going to come up with the money to actually fund social programs in the ways that he wants to fund them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's I mean, they're talking. It's just like, man, this the whole, not to bring it down, but the the whole thing's rotten. <laughs> Everything is pretty. It's like it's it's all bad. <laughs> it's all kind of rotten. I don't think our tax dollars going to change anything. I think we just have to, you know, ask them to leave kindly. You mean a national divorce? Uh, <laughs> yes. Oh, ask Look, the billionaires. I would definitely divorce. I would definitely divorce Florida right now. I mean, this let it go, float off into the ocean. Seriously. Look, and and I I love I'm not talk, talk, talking about the people. A lot of them are great, but you can we'll just move. Just we'll move you. The rest of it yeah. floats off, becomes its own little tax haven. Peter Thiel is there. And they can just, you know, have vanilla sex and whitewashed American yeah. history. And they they can take the name. They can be, be the United States. It. Yeah. Oh, you want them to get take the United yeah, States? Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Okay. I don't know. I mean, we'll we'll just be called, you know, I I don't know. We'll be called Freedom Island. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> or they'll be Freedom Island and we'll be the United States. Let them be Freedom Island and see how free it is. I like the idea, though, that the bigger land mass is the island and that they're the United yep. States. <laughs> yeah. I think that's great. Um, okay, let's see what people want their taxes. Andrew on, I'm going to read that correctly. Andrew on YouTube, taxes going to firing entire Supreme Court. I like that. I, I, oh, I like that, that would be awesome. Let's keep the good, come on, let's keep the good ones. Not all of them have to go. Yeah, Katani Brown Jackson three stay. specifically um, we should go. Let's see. Four. The, Four. I'm going to see what other, what? Um, <laughs> Brandy Esbalki on YouTube says they can be called the Disney States. Which one? The Disney Ooh. State or we're the Disney States. Um, Jesse drinks Freedom Island where woke goes to die. Um, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> woke doesn't know how to swim. They can't touch us. Can I say that I am excited for this Disney versus Florida war that's going to start? Here's what's, what's so easy about this war is they should just move. They should honestly, like... I mean, yeah. they... Uh, Disney owns everything. Just get rid of him. Like, you can do it, Disney. 
get goofy on the ground level. You know what I mean? Oh, get get goofing. Oh, they're gonna the amount of money that they're gonna DeSantis. throw at his opponent. Which I have I heard whispers that Gillum's trying to come back. Speaking of harm reduction, he was caught using, I believe, in a hotel, which was an untimely demise, but oh. um or political demise. I want to just shout out on Hacker on YouTube, Nation McNation Face. I like that. That's good. United States. Sounds delicious. McNation face. Um, That being said, guys, um, there there are ways to avoid paying taxes if you are basically uh, a war tax resistor. If you don't want to actually pay your taxes, there are uh, national war tax resistance, um, new trick NWRTCC. I don't know what the CC stands for. Um, If you're listening and you're part of them, they're my old homies. There way you can withhold a percentage of taxes if you make below the taxable income line. That's always a way to be like, no, f you. Um, you can stipulate, although this always seems sort of outlandish to me, that you can stipulate that you don't want your taxes being spent for war. Um, you know, you can like fill out a form that says you would like them to be spent in a certain way. I'm sure, like you know, Janet Yellen is like, uh huh, bye. You know? Yeah. Do you think they pee on it when they get it? Exactly. They just. A big old shit on that and they go that's that there you go there's your war tax <laughs> yeah absolutely um but yeah it's uh you know it, yeah so so there are ways it's a small amount of resistance but it exists uh yeah and again 750 dollars y'all 750 that's how much donald trump pays Gross. it's so disgusting and if you haven't read the ProPublica article uh i believe last year about the amount of taxes that are avoided and evaded by billionaires, please read that. And also, if you know someone who makes like five hundred thousand a year or a million a year, millionaire, let them know they pay more in taxes than the than the top one percent. They think they're yeah. rich. They're not rich. They no. millionaires mi- millionaires out here think they're rich. <laughs> Hell no. Millionaires no. don't have money and don't get away with not paying their taxes the way that billionaires do. No. Um. Jenny Zagrino, you're wonderful. I appreciate you. Um, where can people thank you for and follow your work? Thank you for like I need this. I need first of all, I need your fly hair. Jenny's got like thank you. hot magenta um hair right now, and it looks great. Thank you. I do I do need to get it, it, you know, the top is coming in a little bit. But when it's like this, you can't tell. No, it looks right. But you huh? Okay. Um <laughs> Find me at Jenny Zagrino on Instagram, Jenny Zagrino Comedy on YouTube, on TikTok. YouTube is Jenny Zagrino. Um, the album is out. You can listen to it on Spotify. You can listen to it on Amazon, Google, all the all the streaming. You can buy it if you want the super fan. Word. Yes. Um, and then, um, you know, just stream it on repeat over and over and over again. That would be very helpful. Um, yeah. Websites fall asleep below, to it. JennyZagrino.com, all the tour dates everything you could possibly desire. Jenny's going on tour, guys. Catch her and her her hour is Gen Z. And we'll put a link to that in the description. Go watch it. Take a load off from this heavy, heavy show. Thank you so much, Jenny. Be very well. See you next time. Come back, please. I appreciate you. And I appreciate all y'all out there in the comment section. Ooh, this has been a long show. Ooh, it's been good. Um, Staff and GS says, waiting for a good show late in the evening in Sweden. Oh my God. Hi. Hi. Hello from Sweden or hello from LA. Um, Mad Matt 
aka Drockbach Dragon says first live show like 46. Ooh, nice. Um, Graph1980, thank you for your super chat. You're a spoonful of comedy sugar that makes the horror show of the news slightly more palatable. Thank you, Graph1980. Um, Bad Lefty, thanks for being a member. David Dan is based AF, it's true. Um, Camperman5000, also a member. Diane, not so Feinstein, nope. Bad Lefty, thank you for being a member. Greg Abbott, hell on wheels. Seriously, I don't even, I will make fun of that dude for being in a wheelchair. I don't give a shit. He's evil. He's evil. Um, Terrence Trumbo, thanks for being a member. Being politically correct is another way of saying untruthful things. Exactly. Like Elon. Just like, what does he want them to say? Like, look, chat GPT has to admit that Asians are bad drivers. Come on. Just so stupid. Brandy Nuance saying, I'm a Gen Z fan. Thank you, Brandy, for also being a member. You're wonderful. And Robert. With the super chat, the whole Iran-Russia policy nexus springs from the Wolfowitz Doctrine, i.e. defense planning guidance, um, 1994 to 1999. Damn. Um, that makes sense. That absolutely makes sense. But it is interesting that Israel has relationships with Russia that it doesn't want to burn. It's interesting that in this equation, Israel might be like the, um, the sort of more reticent partner. Because they're usually not. Camperman 5000. Fran would kid it at, kill it at Edinburgh Fringe. I would love to do Edinburgh. I should. Um, I should absolutely uh, apply to it. And you know work on an hour and shit. And uh, Paige in the comments. Paige backstage saying. We love a citation. Yes thank you for that direct citation. Of Paul Wolfowitz. That piece of work. Um. And with all that, y'all, I just want to thank all the patrons at five bucks or more. I see you. But of course, the $10 patrons get that shout out because this is the fart song. Hell yeah. Gonna thank a uh, new patron at $10 or more, Shane Thomas. Shane, thank you. You're wonderful. I appreciate you. Make sure to get 20% off merch. Um, to the big tippers, Gabrielle Bustamante Kim, thank you for your tip. And Leith Marrow. What can I say? Leith, you're amazing. You are so generous. Thank you for your tip. And let's go over to Twitch. Um, what is up, Flawless Pyro64? Thank you so much for subscribing. One month of tier one. Um, Billy B, resubscribe for one month of tier one. Subscribe for two months. And Depressed Progressive also resubscribed. Um, I think I mentioned that last time, but coming in in the pinch. Uh, Raw Bear Dragon resubscribed Prime. Uh, thanks so much, Franny. And Holly, Holy Beer Dragon resubscribing for one month of tier two. Subscribe for 22 months. Thank you guys for resubscribing. You guys are wonderful. Remember, we stream every Tuesday and Friday for the bonus bish, 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. Thank you to Paige Omek, to Maximilian Inhoff, to editor Andy Vasoyan, and uh, follow the show, Twitter, Bituation Pod, TikTok and Instagram, at Franny Fio. Um, and also, y'all, fight the power. Fuck the patriarchy and don't just bitch about it. Be about it. See you next week. Thank you.